Welcome to Tailboard Talk, a fourth shift fitcast. The mission of Tailboard Talk and the fourth shift fitness is to educate and train fire service personnel to increase durability and decrease the potential for injuries and their associated costs. My name is Chris Morella, owner and founder of Fourth Shift Fitness. I'll use my experience as a personal trainer, strength coach, and 15-year veteran of the fire service to deliver tips, tricks, lessons, and information specifically geared towards the health and wellness of firefighters and paramedics. Each episode, you'll leave with immediate deliverables that will improve performance and resilience and keep you in the fight through your career and into retirement. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? Chris here, and uh, can have some fun today, okay? In a minute, not a minute, soon here, I'm going to open up with a few questions. Before I get to that, uh, edit the Buy Me a Coffee button on the website, on the episode page, and also the most recent episode page, and uh, I'll tell you what, tell you how much money I made from that button this week. Here's a clue. It starts with a Z, but... I'm here for you guys, right? If you like these episodes, if you like what I'm doing, if you find one that helped you out and you feel like you want to donate to the show, hey, I'd appreciate that. Go hit that button. It's only a couple bucks. Not a big deal if you don't, though. Not planning on it. Just uh, something there. You can give me a pat on the back if you choose so. Also, head to the website. We've got shirts, hats, and stickers still. Um, check that out. Let's get to it. I want to ask you some questions. We're going to start off the episode with some questions. Now, there's two options here, and there are only two options. You pick, okay? I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. When it comes to firefighting, when it comes to the hero stuff, you're either head down, through the front door, fighting the devil, chewing leather, aggressive interior attack 100% of the time, or you're just a yard-breathing jolly volley who needs to stop pretending. You pick, right? Here's another one. Love it or leave it. You're either 100% committed to this department as it stands today, and you will be thankful for every single minute you get to be here. Or you might as well just go pick up an application from McDonald's because you don't deserve this job. How about this one? As soon as you get hired, you start working towards promotion, attending outside classes, donating your time outside of your shift, and becoming an integral part of this department, or you're a liability, you obviously don't care, and you're probably just in the way of someone else who actually wants the job. Now, those are stupid things to say, but they're also classified as something, and that is either or thinking or the false dilemma, and that's what I want to talk about today because my God is that a lot of it going on. And for some reason, this really, I pay attention to this stuff a lot because it just, I, it is unfathomably unbelievable picked a new word. It's unbelievable to me how people can be so sure about anything, especially right now, but in general, right? But here we are spouting off stuff like we know what's up, even though we have almost zero information about it. Now, you might say that's a Dunning-Kruger thing. It is. Part of it is, right? There's a huge dose of that going down, but this is also this either-or thinking that I think kind of precedes that. It leads you in, in the Dunning-Kruger effect thing. Now, the either-or fallacy, okay, or the false dilemma. I'm going to read you a, a summary of it from this website. 
And I'll put the website up there. Here it is. It's a false dilemma, false dichotomy. It's a type of fallacy, a logically false belief, wherein a said situation only has a limited number of alternatives, usually two. But in reality, it can have more. It only presents two opposing options in a situation in such a way that they seem to be the only available options. All right. And it goes on to say, if one thing is true, then the other thing must be false. And there's no other way to look at it. You're either one thing or you're another, or you believe one thing or another, or you're for something, or you're for the complete opposite of that thing. And it's a dumb way to think, but we see a lot of it, especially um, we're still two years away, but there's going to be an election coming up. That's all that election campaigns are, is telling you you're either one thing or you're the opposite thing. Removing all the gray in between and removing all the thinking in between. So I want to do this episode today because... I understand how it happens. We're paid to and we're trained to make snap decisions, right? And we're good at it, I hope, I think. We're good at it sometimes. Uh, But we're good at it in the acute sense when we arrive to something that just happened and we're going to deal with it for the next 12 to 30 minutes, maybe two hours on the very long end, right? We're good at that, but we are absolutely terrible at any kind of extended circumstance and extended situation. I mean, COVID was the perfect example of that, right? If you made a snap decision the first two weeks of COVID and you didn't adjust it the entire two years, I mean, if you weren't conflicted in that time and didn't change your opinion of something, of one of 10 different things that happened in the past two years, oh man. But this is what happens when emotions get high. We simplify. So we take a very complex situation, we distill it down to something that we feel comfy with, And then we just throw that out there as the 100% truth. And if you're not about that one particular idea that I'm comfy with, then you are the exact opposite. Not only are you in support of the exact exact opposite of that, but you personally embody every negative attribute of the exact opposite of what I think is just just and correct. It sounds crazy, but it's absolutely rampant. And I'm not mad at it. I get frustrated with it. With it, not the person, that's a tough one to do because I understand. I mean, I've said on this podcast several times now how just six months ago I wasn't capable of doing yard work because I was so overwhelmed, uh, mostly with work, but also the growing family and also the side biz here, that uh, I just had no mental capacity left to do anything else. And it felt terrible, but I simplified I took what I had to do and I made it as simple as possible and I stuck to that and I covered my bases and some days it was hard to even do that, but that's what I did. So I get it. If somebody's in a position where they're feeling overwhelmed and they need to simplify, I get it. What I struggle with is seeing people who simplify for their comfort and then pushing that comfort as the truth or as the only option available. And I shouldn't because I should be able to empathize with that, but it frustrates me because, well, we'll get to that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it makes me think in a little bit. Here's some ways to spot it. The first way, the easiest way that I spot it is name calling, right? Where somebody believes so, so strongly in an opinion of a situation that if you're against that situation, now you're the subject of their scrutiny. I'll tell you my favorite one. It's calling someone a sheep, okay? This is my favorite one to see because just the pure irony in that sentence that you don't think like me, so you're a sheep. 
I mean, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the situation and the person you're arguing with or talking with, there's nothing else to talk about. Another way to spot it, right, is you'll actually hear people say, you'll, you'll hear people put words in other people's mouth and state other people's stances on things that aren't at all what you're talking about. So I might say, um, I'm for A, and the other person might say, well, you must be completely against B. Well, no, that, that's the opposite of A, but I'm not completely against it, or I'm not completely for it, right? There's a whole gray area in there. I'm just telling you that there's one circumstance in here that I like or I don't like. To say that I'm completely part of another reflective part of that is false at best, but that's a good way to put it. Or you'll see people give somebody an option, just like I did in the first couple minutes of the show. It's either this or that. You pick one, and whatever you decide, that's what you are. Now, there's a big problem with that if you're the person doling out those options. And it does a few things. So this is the so what. So so what? who cares if this happens, right? Well, I'll tell you this. When you attempt to marginalize someone else, you actually end up pigeonholing yourself. So as you start telling people what they are, it becomes more and more clear what you are. And that's a dangerous thing. Because now this is, this is kind of going into the gym life thing, right? Uh, we went to a, a seminar from Thomas Plummer uh, four or five years ago, probably. And he was talking about people that cancel their gym memberships. And uh, the way that most people cancel their gym memberships is just passively. They just don't show back up again. And they wait for their term to expire and they opt out of the auto renew. And you just never see that person again. There's no like exit interview. There's no like formal request to cancel. They just wait till the term is up. They'll blow money that entire rest of the year, regardless of how much is left. They don't want confrontation. They just want to get out of your gym or whatever. So they'll just ghost you, keep paying you. Um, and then they'll just disappear. They'll actually ghost you. And that's what's going to happen. If you're the person that feels like you're an expert on any situation in general, and no one will engage with you on that topic, it might be easy to think that it's because you're so well-versed in it that nobody can compete with you. It's really because nobody wants to deal with you. It's nobody, wants to, <laughs> nobody wants to get into it with you, except for people like me who just want to get into it just to see you spin off the face of the planet. If, if, the, if that person is poking you about it, be, take warning of that, Okay. But if no one else, if no other rational person is actually asking you a question about it, it's not because you're so good at explaining. It's because no one wants to deal with you, right? So by showing everybody, by telling everybody else what they are and projecting what everybody else is, you very clearly identify who you are or what you believe. And once that's done, people don't want to argue with a wall, right, except for sport. And so they're not going to. Now, here's the other thing it does. It takes, your, it takes away your ability if you're the one doling it out or if you're observing it and someone else is doing it, it takes away the ability to be conflicted and also be taken seriously. If you're so sure about this one extremely complex situation, right? This is national level stuff. The world is watching this decision and you got to figure it out without beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt. You got to figure it out. Everybody else is stupid. Then when it comes down to picking anything lower, anything of a lower acuity and you can't make up your mind, you completely undercut your entire authority on any subject whatsoever. So by simplifying and putting that out there and, and saying, this is how it is, and the rest of you are idiots or sheep or stupid or dramatic, 
now I'm going on both sides of it, right? There's, there, this isn't a, a right or a left thing or a Democrat, Republican, or a liberal and a conservative. On any side, as soon as you start professing the extremes on a, such a complex issue, and then you stumble on anything less important than that, you completely nullify your authority on that complex issue or anything else for that matter. And here's what, here's what it does for me personally. Okay, so when I see people doing this, here's what it does for me. It tells me that you are, at this moment, not able to think critically. You're unable to keep two competing thoughts in your head, which is, again, understandable depending on your situation and how you're doing, right? And that's why I said at this moment. I might talk to you a year from now, and you might have a little clearer perspective on something that you were pretty in the weeds about now, right? And that's expected. I, I would hope that that would happen. I'm not the kind of person that a year from now, if you change your mind on something that is extremely polarizing or, or even just extremely complex, if I see you a year from now and you're like the opposite or different, I, I view that as a good thing. You've actually taken the opportunity to look at that situation and make some more decisions and maybe factor in some more things and change your opinion on it. I'm down with that, right? I'm not going to hold you, but like, well, a year ago you were saying this and now you're saying this. That's equally as dumb, right? That's me putting either or on you. You're either the thing you say now forever or you're a flip-flopper who can't make up his mind. That's equally as stupid as everything else I'm just talking about. But more so than that, it tells me that you're either so scared or so daunted or so overwhelmed by either that thought or things in general that, like I said, you need to simplify this enormously complex situation down to the most bite-sized, palatable, comfy thing that you can stomach. And then the mistake is where you profess that as the truth and the only option to the rest of the world. That's what it shows me. It shows me someone who's struggling real bad and they're grasping at something to cling on to because they need to say this loud so someone else pats them on the back and feels makes them feel secure about it. That's what it tells me. That's what either or thinking shows me. You're afraid to look at the gray, which I get it. Like I said at the beginning, I get it. We're not paid. We are paid to look at the gray. We're not paid to stay in the gray, right? We need to make a decision. We're either doing this or we're doing that. We're going here or we're going there. We're using this tactic or we're using that one. We're also paid to pivot. We're paid to continuously take in information, whether it's a patient doing differential diagnosis, a fire scene, secondary size-ups, paying attention to conditions, adjusting your tactics. We're not just paid for the first five, right? The first five sets us up for the next two or three, potentially, right? First five minutes sets us up for the next hours. But we're paid to keep moving, keep operating, continuously growing over the course of that evolution, of course, that call or that scene. And that's where we fall flat as first responders is that we keep our first, we keep our initial size up as our entire strategic objective for the entire call, regardless if that call is lasting two years or five minutes. And that's a whoopsie. Can see where it gets us. It gets us polarized. It gets me in my basement drinking a beer and yelling into a microphone. I mean, I'm one step away from being on the ham radio kind of guy, just shouting over the radio waves of the 30-foot antenna on my ceiling. That's the level I'm at right now. It doesn't feel good. It feels great. Okay? Now what? I don't know. I mean, now you just keep doing whatever you want because you're just going to do it anyways. Right? This is a really hard thing to break. It's a really hard um, tactic to backpedal on because it becomes your character. It becomes who you are. So like I said, by telling other people what they are, you tell the world what you are. 
And then if you stick in that character long enough, you are that character. And it's really, really hard to reevaluate and say, I don't want to be this character anymore. I'm going to go back on these things because um, it might be unpopular and I might not get as many high fives from my echo chamber, but I don't feel so hot about it anymore. That's a hard thing to do. So I don't know what to tell you. Think about it. Um, if you're experiencing it, like somebody's giving you a bunch of either ors, maybe you can understand it more, right? And you don't have to take on my opinion of it. Don't be like, oh, you're giving me an either or. That means you're weak and scared and afraid and you're too, too uh, dumb to hold two opinions in your head. That's not it. That's not what I meant to say, all right? I'm sorry if it came across that way. This is an insulting thing, but it's how I view things. And like I said, if you change your opinion, that's not an opportunity for me to belittle you about what you used to think. I might bring it up, depending on how friendly we are with each other. Um, here's an example. I had a guy I work with who was extremely criti- criticizing, critical, criticalicious of people who professed they had gluten intolerances and or food intolerances or something. Right. So somebody was saying, oh, yeah, my wife or me, we stopped eating bread because we can't handle wheat. And he went off the rails berating this person about how that's not a medical diagnosis. There's no test that can diagnose you with a uh, um, sensitivity or whatever. Uh Oh, this person had tummy troubles for a few years and it wasn't until he cut out dairy and also wheat that he felt better. Now, I was witness to the first time he just went in on this person about their BS diagnosis of not being able to eat bread. I was there, and I was giggling, right, because this guy was all kinds of worked up. That guy, to his credit, came back to me and said, hey, remember the time in that kitchen that I just went in on so-and-so about his gluten intolerance? I said, "Uh uh-huh. And he said, well, I found out that I'm not only gluten intolerant, but I'm lactose intolerant, so go ahead. And I still bring it up to this day. That was three years ago. And I still, to this day, whenever I see him work with him, I say, hey, dude, remember when you did that thing? And then we'd have a good laugh and we go about it. That's one thing, right? Uh, I love dearly that that person decided to actually admit that to me because that takes a lot. I can tell you right now, if I found out that I was gluten intolerant after going in on somebody and shouting from the rooftops how it's garbage, I'd be quietly eating sourdough every day and not telling anything about it. And I'd be eating bread at work and torturing myself just so nobody found out. But to his credit, he fessed up and we all have a good laugh about it now. That's the kind of joking I'll do. That's the kind of you were this one thing and you thought this one thing. Now you think differently. I'll go in on that. But if you're really conflicted about something, I would hope that a majority of you guys listening, guys and girls listening are the same way. If someone's really conflicted about something and obviously struggling, obviously torn and they're using this either or thinking to simplify to protect themselves and then they come back later and they change their mind i would hope that we'd all be like thank god thank god you looked at it again and and change your mind about that you're not just beating the same drum because that was exhausting i would hope that would happen maybe a little fun ribbing right but i would hope that we'd all be happier that that person went back and reevaluated than than anything i don't know man 20 minutes is that too much is that too much preaching Was that a firefighting lifestyle podcast? I don't know. No? Yes? I talked about firefighting, kind of. Dude, just be be excellent to each other, right? Dillis Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan had it right the first time. Party on, dudes. Uh, Talk to you guys soon. Be a four-shifter.